Some of the subject matter I'm covering today is mature. Um, I'll be careful on how I say things if you have children in here. Um, obviously, older children, totally fine, junior high and up. Uh, if they're Bible Quest age and you didn't send them and you want to send them, uh, consider doing that right now. But again, I'll be careful to not uh, be explicit in anything I say, but I'm going to be using some mature terms on this issue. I'm going to talk about, as we are in the season of graduations in our schools, I want to talk a little bit about public education today and, and ask the question, what are the public schools teaching our children? And I'm very perturbed by some of the things I read. As a matter of fact, in Wisconsin, one of the teachers was noticing that one of the students wasn't excited about the upcoming Packers game. And so she asked the girl, so why aren't you excited? And she said, well, I don't know. My parents are Bears fans. I like the Bears. And, you know, I'm, I'm just not excited about the Packers game. And the teacher said, well, what if your parents were dimwits? She said, well, then I'd be a Packers fan. <laughs> so you, can you see the indoctrination that's happening in our public schools? <clears throat> now, why? That, while that's funny, and I meant it to be funny, um, what we're going to talk about are real examples of things that are in the news within the last month or so. I pulled things as I saw them preparing for this message and compiled them into a list of things that are actually happening, verified. These are news stories. And I was careful to go back and double check everything and make sure these things actually are happening. And a few of the things that I'm going to mention today are things that are happening in Lake Zurich and in surrounding school districts, schools that... Uh, service our families in this church. And I'll just say, say this from the start. I believe there is a larger need for Christian education today than ever before in the United States. You know, there, there were some families and, and, you, you know, this is the parents' decision. What am, how am I going to raise my kids and how, how I'm going to educate my kids? And, you know, public school is the, the default option, it's, it's free, you're already paying for it, and it would make sense to use that. And I would agree with you, except for what's happening in public schools. And it was in uh, 1978 that because of some things that were happening in my public school in second grade in Palatine, that my parents finally said, that's it, we're taking them out, and we're going to start a school. And that's exactly what happened, 19... 19- 78. Have things gotten any different, any worse since 1978? I almost look back and chuckle a little bit about what they pulled me out for. It was they were teaching us disco dancing in gym class. And so my dad was furious about it. And the the teachers or the school board or the principal or someone said, hey, sorry, we're not going to do that anymore. And then the next gym class, they did it again. So he said, that's it. About 20 years later, my gym teacher, I can tell you his name, I remember his name from second grade, walks in as a referee into our gymnasium, our basketball referee. And I just wanted to go up to him and shake his hand and say, thank you for helping us start our Christian school. Of course, he would have no idea what I was talking about. But uh, things have proceeded to get uh, much worse. And the Bible tells us clearly that we need to raise our children in the ways of God. It is 
the parent's responsibility to do that, not the government. Okay, so these are things we need to think about, and there are alternatives to public education. There are private Christian schools. We have one here. There's homeschooling. And so you need to consider that. And there's financial issues and all of that. And, and, and sometimes because of a, uh, a, a, one spouse is against it, one is for it, you have no choice. And so I, I don't want anyone to feel bad today. And I think if Daniel can survive Babylon, then if with enough prayer and enough work and enough hard, you know, uh, talking to the children, if you have no other option but public school, God can still help you with that. Okay, but if you have the, uh, the option, if you can do something different, after you hear what we're going to talk about today, I feel that you likely will. Why do we have a school? Why all these years? It's take, taken tons of work, tons of money to have our our schools, our preschool, and our, our Bible college. Why do we do that? The answer is really simple. We want our young people to be taught truth. Okay. Now, some will say, is an education neutral? The answer is no. Now, all knowledge is from God. All reality is God pointing us toward eternity. But public education has divorced itself from God and from his truth. And to divorce God from education, from knowledge, is a tragic and sad development. In Colossians 2, it says in verse 8, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Now, I'm not saying that the teacher has to be a Christian to teach mathematics. And I'll give you a quote. One theologian said this, a Christian boy or girl can learn mathematics from a teacher who is not a Christian. And truth is truth, however learned. But while truth is truth, however learned, the bearing of truth, the meaning of truth, the purpose of truth, even the sphere of mathematics seem entirely different to the Christian from that which they seem to the non-Christian. And that is why a truly Christian education is possible only when Christian conviction underlies not a part, but all of the curriculum of the school. In other words, our school comes at it with mathematics, for instance, we have truth. We have things that are logical and make sense because we, we live in a world of order and design and purpose, and there's, there's things like truth here in this world. And we, so we recognize that has come from God, who is a God of truth and order and logic. So that's the difference. We have that perspective of why does Math always makes sense and always add up. And two plus two is four. That's because of God that created this logical design and order in our universe. And, and then you go into science. And again, that's a whole other issue, right? Because a science, at least biological science, is saying that we evolved in, in our world, the primary worldview. In our public schools, creation is not allowed to be taught. And mentioned even even a disclaimer is not allowed in the textbooks that there are other um, ideas on how we got here other than this fallacy of evolution. So again, some parents used to believe that we can send our kids to public schools and they can be lights and salt and 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 
I, I wish that were the case today. I just, I don't see that anymore. Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now remember, this is a proverb. This is a, a wisdom principle, a wise saying. It's not doctrine, so a, a lot of parents have done a really good job in raising up their kids in the ways of God. When your kids are older, um, God has given them to you for a time, but they're their own being, their own uh eternal soul, and some children choose to go astray. And it's sad. It's hard. But the Bible still tells us and gives us the admonition to train up a child in the way he should go. So this is what God wants us to do. So one of the big issues that we have in public education today is what is not being taught. So I'm not even going into the whole problem of low test scores, the uh, pretty low education standards in our public education system. I'm not even going into that. I'm, I'm talking more about what we've removed from public education. In 1960s, in the 1960s, the court began to remove God from public education. There was a landmark Supreme Court case, Engel versus Vitale, in 1962 that said school-sponsored prayer, even non-sectarian prayer, had been ruled to be a violation of the First Amendment's Establishment Clause. And it was banned. Imagine that. Remember, America used to teach our kids reading with this. This is what we used to teach our kids. Princeton, Yale, Harvard, all of the Ivy League schools started as Bible colleges, seminaries to train people in ministry. How far have we come from that to where we said in the 60s that we can't have prayer in the public school? In 1963, the Supreme Court banned organized Bible reading for religious and moral instruction. In the 1980 case of Stone versus Graham, the court found unconstitutional a law in Kentucky that required public schools to post a uh, copy of the Ten Commandments. Can you imagine that? Something that our laws in America are based on? The, the basic tenets of humanity? You can't have those in the public school? In 85, the Supreme Court case Wallace versus Jaffrey, an Alabama law that required public schools to set aside a moment each day for silent prayer or meditation. You think that would be okay, right? Silent prayer or meditation. Nope, can't have that. In 2000, school-sponsored prayers at high school football games were banned. In recent years, students got in trouble for invoking God at graduation addresses and even praying in a huddle of a football game. You can't do these things anymore, according to our government. So not only has Bible reading and prayer and God been removed from the public education system, so has teaching about creation science. School boards have lost virtually every fight over curriculum changes designed to challenge evolution including disclaimers in biology textbooks. So let me just come back to this. We have a Christian school because we believe our children need to read the scriptures. We, we need to teach our children to pray in school. 
They also need to know that creation is true and it fits well with observable science. Well, how did all this happen? Well, it started not just by this guy, but uh, this guy really pushed it, the philosopher John Dewey. And he knew that the public schools would gradually transform the United States into a Marxist culture. And that was their aim and that was their goal. And I'll tell you what, it has worked. It has worked. There's an ideology that's permeating our culture. It's in higher education. And now we're finding it in K through 12, and that's called critical social justice, which includes critical race theory. It basically posits that America is historically and systemically racist. Now, I'll tell you this. I do believe that racism is real and injustice is real. I've seen it. I've been with a black pastor at a restaurant, and he was not treated as well as my dad and myself. I've seen it. It's it's real. But it's not just America um, and black and white. It's it's all over. It's been all over the world for, for centuries. It's, it's in the Bible when, when there was a, an animus against the Samaritans and Jesus talked about the good Samaritan. Boy, that frosted some of the Jewish people. So it's, it's, it, it's real and it's a problem in the whole world. But I would, I would say it's wrong to say America is systemically and historically racist. Absolutely. We've, we've come a long way. Slavery is now uh, banned, which it should be, and it should have been, and it's evangelicals, I believe, in Western civilization that finally ended that. Segregation finally has been ended. We've made strides. We're doing uh, much better these days, but now this has blossomed. Critical race theory. And as Christians, we don't need CRT to teach the dangers of partiality. Only Jesus and the gospel We'll do away with racism. Why? Because Galatians 3.28 says, we're neither Jew nor Gentile. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male or female for we are all one. One in Christ Jesus. That, the word of God, salvation, the Holy Spirit is the only thing I believe that will do away with injustice and racism. If we're walking in the spirit, we will treat everyone the way that God uh, would want us to. And Jesus died for all people. And so there's no mechanism, if you don't have the Bible, if you don't have these truths, that will uh, do away with racism. And CRT definitely is not uh, the answer. But those on the left will claim that CRT is not being taught until college. But it is. Here's what they're doing. They're just not using critical race theory, the term, the, the acronym. They slip it in under what's called the DEI rubric, which is diversity, equity, and inclusion. And, but it is there. For example, York High School here in our area in Elmhurst had a wall display that they called intersectionality. It reduced people into a collection of racial, gender, and sexual identities, identifying whether someone is privileged or marginalized. It's here. It's in our schools. Our young people in public education from the youngest through college are being indoctrinated with unbiblical ideologies regarding sexual orientation and gender identity. Here are some examples from the news, recent news. These are stories that I came across and are, are out there. 
And I'm just going to give you several of these to give you an illustration of what's happening right now today in our country. Vermont. In Vermont, a elementary school is reportedly removing male and female language from its fifth grade science lessons, covering the human body, puberty, and reproduction. Now, I don't know how, I, I was, as I'm reading this story, I'm like, well, how do they do that? How do, how do you remove male and female from human biology and, and uh, reproduction? And a letter sent home to parents at Founders Memorial School, the principal announced gender-inclusive language would now be used in the science and health unit. Teachers would now only use gender-inclusive language in these lessons in order to align our curriculum with our equity policy. They said terms like male and boy would be replaced with person who produces sperm. Likewise, female and girl would be replaced with a person who produces eggs. You, you just don't, you don't know what to, what to say when the world has taken something so basic and so intrinsic and observational. And I mean, you go to, you go to the hardware store and you need plumbing fittings. Okay, what are you going to do now if you can't say, right, male and female? What are you going to do? This is ridiculous. It's almost like the world is so against God. The world is so against, I mean, God says he made male and female. Okay, that we're going to just take that something so basic and, and I mean, even science, you have the chromosomes. Women have two X's, men have an X and a Y. No matter what therapies you try and hormones you take and surgeries that you do, you, you will not change that. That's how, how innate it is within the design that God made of us, male and female. Okay? So we're taking what God has clearly said, no matter how absurd, we're fighting for a, a biological male to go into our women's restrooms, our girls' bathrooms. We're fighting for that. It's crazy. We're taking what God has clearly said and turning it on its head. Why? I think it's just because people oppose God. That's it. Okay? Now, I'm not trying to, to, uh, to disparage people. I want, I, I, every person I'm talking about today, God loves, can be saved. But we also have to alert them of the, the absurdity and the sin that they're discussing today. Uh, in Massachusetts, there's a middle school student that was sent home by refusing to change a shirt. The shirt said five words. There are only two genders. Um, this is a 12-year-old young man who I'm pretty proud of. Uh, in gym class, he wore the T-shirt that said there are only two genders, and he was sent home. He was a seventh grader at Nichols Middle School in Middleborough, Massachusetts. He was taken out of gym class and met with school staff who told him people were complaining about the statement on his shirt that it made them feel unsafe. They later interviewed the boy and he said, you know, they have all this pride stuff in our school, banners and flags. And I've never once complained that that made me feel unsafe. But they, you cannot say just some basic things anymore without getting in trouble. And they said, well, you're not in trouble, but... He said, I sure felt like I was. I was told that I would need to remove my shirt before I could return to class. 
when I nicely told them that I didn't want to, they called my father. Thankfully, my dad, supportive of my decisions, came to pick me up. And he said the shirt was nothing threatening, nothing harmful, just a statement that I believe to be fact. And so it is sad to see where our world has come to today. Uh, another public school in Colorado, there was a after-school gender and sexuality club uh, that was secret. And a mom was suing this club that was recruiting secretly against the parents' um, knowledge this, uh, this club for sixth graders, sixth graders. So the story is a Colorado mom said her daughter was among a group of sixth graders recruited to a deceptive after-school art club that turned out to be much more than it seemed. When she got there, she was very quickly, she very quickly learned that it was actually a gender and sexuality awareness club. The mom told the news organization that published the story, the art teacher had invited in an outside presenter into the classroom that day, and this woman did absolutely unthinkable things with the kids. Uh, she used flags to describe umbrella terms and told the students they were transgender if they were not fully comfortable with their biological sex. The presenter also told students that they could describe themselves as queer if they had not yet figured out their sexuality. She told them that these new labels that they had just adopted made them more likely to commit suicide and talked to them extensively about suicide. Now, let me just stop for a second and say this. That's the one argument that the left is using to promote transgenderism, um, and that is that uh, if, if you don't do this, if you don't help kids, if they are confused by by their gender, then they're going to be more likely to commit suicide. But studies are coming out now that are finding that those that have gone through with any type of hormone therapy or uh, surgery or whatever it is are more likely themselves to be committing suicide. So that argument goes falls flat. And there are a lot of kids that are very troubled. And I think it, this is making it worse. You, you help children, you teach them, you know, you, you, you have gender dysphoria, you have some confusion in life, and that happens when you're of a certain age, right? And uh, the answer is not to um, give young children especially, or any children, I believe, these drugs and therapies and things that are irreversible, and it's going to do damage uh, for the rest of their lives. And so uh, this presenter allegedly discussed puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones, warning those in attendance that their parents may not be safe people to turn to as they struggle with certain ideologies, okay? So this is a real problem. This uh, speaker runs an organization called Skittles for kids 5 to 11 to discuss gender and sexuality. Uh, the art teacher that invited this speaker into this club pulled the daughter of the woman suing the organization aside and told her, you don't have to tell your parents. So these are things that are happening in our world, in our country, recently. Oregon parents outraged as teachers exposed students to sexually explicit language during lessons on porn. Classroom material containing sexually explicit language was used to teach 10th grade students about myths in pornography. 
popular care categories and childlike porn in an Oregon school district, promoting outrage on social media. Slides of a lesson on sexually explicit media inform students about different types of pornography, such as, and I will not uh, relate to you those things that were being taught to the children. It is beyond repulsive and awful. Some of the categories of pornography. Pornography is wrong. It is, it is against what God's design is. It, hurt, it hurts people. It harms people. And to go into the detail that they were going into to describe all the different types of, of pornography is extremely unhealthy uh, for young people. Say, so, well, they're going to find this out anyways. Then you better be talking to them about it. I don't think we should let the schools do that. The teachers do that. The parents should be doing that. And if you're not talking to your kids about these things, you're not obeying God. They're, they are going to come across stuff. And as things, as, as something pops up on TV, uh, whatever, you have that conversation. You talk about why the scripture says it's wrong. Why does God say it's wrong? Because one day they're going to be not accountable to you anymore. But you better make sure they understand they're always accountable to God. Okay, so teaching them, teaching them. This, uh, this one of the parents was really upset about this. And uh, the organization called, was called Oregon Moms Union. And this uh, one of the co-founders of that union said about the terms that were being taught to the kids, I think it would make a lot of grown-ups blush. And certainly it, it would. The way they went about teaching it and some of the content that was on the slides was really explicit. One of the slides in a sexually explicit media lesson uses emojis to depict categories of pornography. A spokesman for the Hillsborough School District confirmed to this news organization that the series of slides about pornography are part of a state mandate that students receive age-appropriate instruction to help them recognize and respond to unsafe situations and to increase awareness of child sex abuse. And certainly, there are reasons that we do need to teach our kids about what, what is out there and protect them. But to go into such detail about such raunchy things to 10th graders will not help in that situation. Florida teacher is defiant after showing woke Disney movie in class. Parents' rights are gone in public school, is the headline. An elementary school teacher in Florida being investigated for showing a Disney movie with a gay character says children are already talking about these themes and that parents give up their rights when they send them to public school. I'm not saying every teacher believes that, and there's some probably great teachers in public schools here or listening or watching. But, but there are other teachers in almost every school that oppose God and are are 100% okay with showing fifth grade class a, a Disney. Well, first of all, can you believe Disney has a movie that way? It's the 2022 Disney animated film, Strange World. For an earth science lesson, the teacher was using it, a Hernando County fifth grade teacher. Any parent and member of the school board, or a parent and member of the school board complain. However, the teacher is now being investigated by the school district and State Department of Education for showing the film with an openly gay character. Uh, a school in Minnesota was, there's the headline, pro-gender transition book called Call Me Max, available to kindergarten students in Minnesota. 
Here's the story. The book, Call Me Max, which teaches children about what it means to be transgender, is reportedly available to kindergarten students in a Minnesota school district. The main character in the book, Call Me Max, is in the book trying to decide which bathroom to use. First graders are busy enough trying to master phonics and trying to learn how to read. Why would we allow authority figures to plant seeds of doubt in their existence simply as a boy or a girl? That it might be a mistake, one of the mothers asked the school board. A spokesman for Aseo Area Schools in Minnesota said that the book is included in kindergarten classrooms as an option during independent reading time. All of our district kindergarten teachers reviewed and selected books that they felt best represented their students, said the spokesperson. These books went into each kindergarten classroom across the district. Well, let me just tell you something. I've got a book that I want to give away today. This book I came across recently, and it's titled Jesus and Gender. This is a biblical approach to gender. And I want to give every parent with young children this for free today. Um, we are putting it in all of our classrooms for the, for the younger children, preschool on up. And it's just a biblical approach to gender. It's, it's well done. It doesn't talk too much about anything. It just describes why God created boys and girls. And the differences that God has designed within us are in this book. Now, if you're not sure if you want to give this to your kid or not, pick one up and read it. If you, if you don't want to do it, that's fine. But let me give you a free copy of this book. After the service, there are two tables in the auditorium. Each family that has a younger children can get a free book. If you want to buy some to give to other people, um, if there's any left, I think we have about 120 of these books, um, then if there's any left, you can uh, purchase a copy from us. I am tired of allowing people to oppose God on some of these really basic, clear things. And I want to push back a little bit. And that's one way we're going to do it here at Quentin Road. Now, you can say, well, you know, you're mentioning Massachusetts and Florida and Oregon and Minnesota. That's not happening here. Okay, <clears throat> I'm going to give you three examples of things that happened within our church, with families within our church. Uh, one, I was alerted by a family in our church that our district, District 95, the schools in our district from elementary through high school are mandated by this summer to have women hygiene products in the boys' bathrooms. Okay? That is happening right now, here. A lady in our church told my wife that she went to the elementary school where her, her kids were and noticed in the cafeteria a huge banner promoting all the different sexual relationships that are LGBTQ. But then she noticed heterosexual wasn't on there. Can you believe that? So she went and asked the vice principal, why isn't heterosexual on there as well? And the vice principal put up her hand and walked away and said, if you want to talk about this, you can email me, and refused to answer the question. Why would they be refusing to answer the question? This is in our area. These are people that are facing these things in our, in our church. This isn't just a problem elsewhere. Even um, some of our rural uh, uh, schools have gotten bad enough 
I know in southern Illinois, our relatives started a Christian school where they used to be okay in the public school. Their kids were in the public school. They were on the school board and they kept things almost like, like our school. But now it's impossible, I think, to do that. And they've since started their own Christian school. Another lady in our church. Now, this woman has extensive public school teaching and administrative um, experience. She's had high levels of, of positions in public schools for years. And she is retired and she's volunteering here in our school. She wrote me a letter and I asked her permission to relay some of the stuff. I won't give her name. But she was invited to a local public high school play. And as she sat there and noticed all the young children that were in the crowd, she was stunned by the play where almost every scene was filled with drinking, marijuana use, sexual innuendo, and swearing. She said at the end, the director came out and praised the students for their exemplary performance. Our member ended the note to me by saying how the play had condoned dangerous, immoral, destructive, and illegal, illegal behaviors with serious consequences. She said, I was saddened and shocked. That was my last high school play. Now, she also wrote this. I thank God that our school teaches students how to live a life based on biblical principles and godly values. I am grateful to your father for his vision to have a Christian school and for your continued commitment to providing an education where students learn the gospel and the importance of scripture, the joy of serving, receiving rigorous academic curriculum, and know the power of prayer. What a beautiful, beautiful statement from an educator that has seen both sides. And let me just take a moment to thank all of our teachers and all of our administration. Let's give them a hand for all that they do in our schools. So in conclusion, moms and dads, you are responsible for training your children in the way of God. Not the government, not the village. Your children are given to you as a heritage, as a responsibility. Now you say, well, I can't afford a private education, and that might be a real problem. We try hard to make sure that uh, we, we make ways, um, scholarship, partial scholarship, uh, you, you can work here, and, and you know, we try to do everything we can. But let's say, you, and our, our big problem is we have waiting lists. So I'm preaching this whole big message, and now you're going to be like, we really need to get our kids out of public school, and we're going to say we don't have room. I'll tell you what we can do. We can help you if you want to homeschool. We can, we can give you the guidance on the curriculum. We can give it at cost. We'll do everything we can to make sure that you have an option as far as raising your kids in the ways of God. Our schools are an extension of your teaching at home. And now more than ever, Christian education is critical to the survival of godly offspring. Let me end with some scripture. In Deuteronomy 11, God was teaching the children of Israel how to raise their children. Now, we're not Israel. Uh, Israel is a unique entity in scripture. And and uh, God was using them to bring us the scriptures and the Savior. And, and is going to be using them again in the future. The nation of Israel, the Jewish people... Uh, 
But I do think there's a principle here of, ra- of training our kids. In Deuteronomy eleven eighteen, it says, Therefore shall ye lay up these words in your heart and in your soul, and bind them for a sign upon your hand, that they may be frontlets between your eyes. And ye shall, what? Teach them to your children, speaking of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. In other words, teaching them all the time. Teach your children uh, every chance you get to glorify the one true God who created us. And we're accountable to him. We have sinned against him, but he has sent his savior to redeem us. Teaching them that at night, in the morning, at noon, all the time. Taking every opportunity you can to share biblical truth with your children. And thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thine house and upon thy gates that your days may be multiplied and the days of your children in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them as the days of heaven upon the earth. We know for sure that the world is getting increasingly hostile to spiritual truth. We must protect our young people while they're most vulnerable. I'm going to end with something that we've been labeled and criticized for. People will say, well, you guys just are a greenhouse. And I say to that criticism, thank you. Because what is a greenhouse? Well, you take something that is small, vulnerable, tender, innocent, and you protect it from temperature swings and you make sure there's plenty of sunlight and water and you're protecting it till it grows enough to where it's going to be okay out in the environment. That's exactly what I'm asking parents to do. To be aware of what's happening. So that's some of the problem. We're just not aware of it. And then once we're aware of it, we have to decide what we're going to do. Now this might change your life. You might not have the money to do what you used to do, to do the the vacations or drive the, the newer car. You might not have the money, but what's more important? Having your children raised in the ways of God or um, succumb to some of these uh, ungodly, ungodly pressures that are part of our increasingly hostile world toward Christianity, toward God. Just alerting you, you're the parent, you're, you, you decide what to do in educating your children. We're providing you options, and I hope that those that are watching and listening around the, uh, the, the, the country and around the world, that we are aware of what's happening in our world, and that we can uh, make sure our children know the things of God, especially the big truths, that there is a creator He created everything right and we messed it up and we sinned and we rebelled and we've fallen away from God. And God who is love sent his only son to die for our sins on a cross. His name, Jesus. Lived a couple thousand years ago, did incredible things, came just as predicted hundreds of years before. Everything fits with what the Bible has said. He would do, how he would come, how he would die. He died He was nailed to a cross. He poured out his blood for your sins and for mine. God died for us, paid for our sins. Our our, uh, 
sins of rebellion, of, of pride, of not telling the truth, our sins of rebelling against the one true God. Jesus died for all of those sins and, and says, if you will trust in me, you will be saved. You will pass from death to life. You will be removed from a destination called hell to a place called heaven. You say, well, where does it say that in the Bible? Well, let me show you a couple of verses. We used these yesterday in one of our um, longtime members' funeral, Holly Darling. And I knew that if I didn't share the gospel in a very clear way, using the billfold illustration, that she would probably come back to life and, and hurt me in some way. And, and I, I, I believe that this is the answer. This is the answer to injustice, to racism, everything is, is this, okay? It's by grace in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It's by grace that you're saved through faith. What is faith? Faith is not works. It's trust. It's you saying, I believe. Believe what? Okay. You're saved through faith and not of yourselves. It's a what? Gift of God. What's the gift? The gift is Jesus. The gift is he is God in the flesh. He never sinned. He died for us and he rose again. The gift is eternal life through faith in him. It's a gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. No one will stand in heaven and say, I deserve this. I, I did my part. No, we're all going to stand there and say, I am a sinner saved by grace. Okay. Now, this verse also explains it very well in John 3.16 and uh, all the grandkids recited this yesterday as well. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever, that's anybody, believeth in him, to trust in him, to have faith in him. In who? In the son of God, Jesus. Should not perish, which is hell, but have everlasting life, which is heaven. So how can I be saved from my sins? It's when I put my faith, my trust in Jesus that he died for me on a cross and rose again. And I, uh, I know I did that when I was young, praise the Lord, for parents who instructed me in the ways of righteousness and also told me when I was a sinner, and not just told me, but you know, gave me a good illustration of that. Um, let this hand represent, my left hand represent you, me, and everybody, and this represents sin. The Bible says we've all sinned. But Jesus, my right hand, represents someone that is righteous and holy and perfect, was made sin for us, that we might be made, watch, the righteousness of God in him. It's when I believe that Jesus died and paid for my sin, I'm accepting the gift called eternal life, I'm trusting in him alone, I have salvation today. The Bible says I'm born again. You're in the hand of God. He will never let you go. You're a child. You're a son of God. And you'll still mess up. You'll still find yourself falling short, but you are in the hand of God. Now, how do we live from this point out? Well, we live a thank you life, a thank you letter life to all that God has done for us. We don't serve him to be saved. We don't serve him to stay saved. We serve him because we're saved. And when you do that, when you make a one-time decision of faith in Jesus. Say, I'm a sinner and I can't say myself. But at this moment, Lord, I believe that Jesus died for my sin and rose again. The Bible says that you're saved and that can never change. Now, we then are indwelt by God through the spirit of God. And if we're every day staying close to the Lord in fellowship and praise, 
He's going to help guide us in these tricky waters with kids, grandkids, uh, uh, our world that is so different than it used to be. But the darker the night, the brighter the light. Don't get despondent. Don't get discouraged. Use every opportunity for the gospel because that is the answer to all of our issues and problems in our world